day-to-day -day life got you down? Tired of the mundane routines of your job, going there to work, then going home to sleep only to wake up and go back to work? Weary of dealing with the fancily dressed people you owe money to? Then leave your troubles behind and take a trip to Iskandar, a magical place of fun, sun, and total relaxation. Book a trip now through Dubtalk Space Cruise Lines for a special deal. Iskandar, a perfect place. Warning, the Dubtalk Space Cruise Lines contains strong language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, be aware that spoilers from Radihachi as well as any other anime maker. So be aware if there is a series you haven't watched yet. Finally, the views and opinions of those individual participants of this episode do not reflect Dubtalk as a whole. Five, eight, two, three, nine. Forget about star date. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another fine episode of Dub Talk. We here are to bring you through a very special dub. One about space travel, the grand openness of the universe, and running away from the debt guy who wants to cut your head off <laughs> because you didn't pay him back because you're an idiot. And uh, your and his the uh, buddy who he sent to collect your money from you has decided to tag along because you're going on vacation, and why not? Yes, that's right. We are covering the dub for a, uh, a very nice little comedy that came out this season, Robbie and Hachi. Uh, the uh, tale of uh, two ne'er-do-wells and their robots on the run from uh, gangsters and inadvertently helping PR various places while they do it. Wait a uh, second, I thought that was Space Dandy. Well, there's the thing. I won't lie. I was told that this was Space Dandy, but I'm looking at these two little chuckle fucks, and they kind of look like they're Doug and Kirill from Doug and Kirill. That's, that's that's the other point of reference I've heard applied to this. It's those two. <laughs> Apparently, if you, put, if you put Space Dandy and Doug and Kirill in a blender, this is what pops out. Mm. I think that's ridiculous. This is clearly some sort of 70s comedy that fell through a wormhole. Mm. I, can, I, can, I can see it now. It'll be an international co-production. Robbie will be Elliot Gould. And Hachi would be a, wherever the hot uh, teenage idol from Japan is at the time. And the robot would probably be played by, um, let's say Bootsy Collins. That's funny to me. <laughs> it's just Bootsy. Good no, Bootsy should, Bootsy. Bootsy should be young. Ooh, you're right. <laughs> Bootsy should be young. <laughs> Robbie, ba baby, you owe me some money. We'll just get Mel Blanc to play the robot. There we go. Problem solved. <laughs> uh... Here to help me cover this dub, we have uh, Hardy. Yay. Uh, Andrew. I am a slave to the booty. <laughs> you should get that looked at. And Roots. Beady, 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 beady. That's a problem, <laughs> Roger. <laughs> <coughs> You've killed me. How dare you? <laughs> Oh, like three quarters of the audience aren't going to get that joke, but I don't get that, that joke. Do. I'm young. <laughs> I feel like that might be part of the problem, Andrew. Mm. I mean, Are you saying our audience is full of not century uh, 20, 25th, 24th yeah, and 25th. one half century? No, that's Duck Dodgers, you heathen. <laughs> <laughs> Buck Duck. Who gives a fuck? 
Wordplay. Oh, dear. Anyways, Robohachi is a show. But, Andrew, that's the joke. <laughs> that's the, that's literally the joke. I do get that now, yes. <laughs> Anyways. As I said, we're coming Robihachi, a wild space comedy about uh, about uh, debts and vacations and uh, uh, intergalactic tourism. And trying to get alien booty all over the place. Oh, you bet. Uh, oh. Trying to get some tail and some fin and some of the gills in there, too. Maybe. The tentacles, for sure. Oh, oh, definitely the tentacles. That's how you know you got the good shit. <laughs> Boy, I picked a good crowd for this one, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> right. Anyways. Shall we get started, gentlemen, before yes, we please. derail any further? All right. We're not, on, we're not on any rails. We're flying through space without a paddle. Fine, shall we shall we shall we stop trying to pull away from the tractor beam? We may, yes. Just stay on course. Alright, good. Full speed, uh, Captain. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I don't I don't I don't watch enough Star Trek to know anything's off the top of my head. Red shirt, sure, let's go with that. Uh engineering core, I guess. Anyways. Uh to start, let us let us begin with our ADR staff. Who have brought us this wonderful show. Uh, gentlemen, did any of you have any predictions? I did. Shoot. I had a prediction for the director, and I had a prediction for writer, because I don't usually guess the writer, but I kind of took a crapshoot in the dark, and I figured, why not? I figured maybe somebody, because I figured in regards to directors who have done sci-fi or sci-fi-related shows... I figured this person was not a stranger, but I'm not sure if I've ever seen them do a sci-fi comedy. However, I know they are, in fact, very good when it comes to comedies in the form of two adorable, chaotic little girls. And I thought Chris George would be a good fit for the captain's seat. As for writer, I took a shot in the dark, and I figured... Clayton Browning seems to do good things. I'd be curious to see what it'd be like to see what he'd do. Alright. Uh, Hardy, Roots? I do not make predictions usually for director and writer, as you know. Fair enough. Roots? Um, I actually joined this episode after episode one aired, so I have no predictions whatsoever. Also fair enough. I also don't have any predictions because, like Hardy, I don't do director and writer because I, I don't know. I just watched an I just watched an episode of this one day. I think when it came out, and I figured, ah, let's see what we can do with this. Makes sense. Uh, so, given that, uh, Andrew, the only one with predictions is almost right. Uh, directing this, we in fact have Dallas Reed. Uh, who, uh, as far as I can tell, at least in far the anime front, uh, doesn't have a lot of roles under his belt. He did some assistant ADR direction work for Sundere Children, and that's about it. Sure uh, Dure Children. Sundere Children. There's a couple Sundere's in there, but still. Whatever. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want, professionalism? It, it's not like I want professionalism or anything, b, -b baka <laughs> uh, Alright. <laughs> Also, that was that was very weak. You need more emphasis on it. Not that emphasis. All right. You're going you're going for cute girl, not Hanna Barbera character. <laughs> Anyways, um, and Dallas is our director, but he also got a little assistance on episode four from Chris George, who did some assistant ADR work on that one. Uh, so Andrew is partially right. 
Uh, and on the script, oh, uh, I should, uh, Chris George, you know for doing direction on things, such things as Pop Team Epic, Steins Gate, and Black Clover, where usually he's the one directing Dallas. So that's a fun twist. Hey, uh, the student hey. has become the master. Apparently so. Uh, and on ADR script, we have Leah Clark, who has written such shows as Chio's School Road, Kami-sama Kiss, and Space Battleship Tiramisu. Mm. Uh, so, gentlemen, uh, what do we think about the direction and script writing here? Uh, Roots, why don't you start us off? Sure. So, I, I made a very interesting comparison when we started up the Skype call. Uh, if... Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and 2202 were basically a love letter to, you know, Funimation's best sci-fi shows of, like, the mid-2000s. Uh, the direction and script writing for Robbie Hachi, I would probably, and I don't want this to be assumed as like an insult because this is absolutely I absolutely 100% mean this as a compliment here this is like a parody of the kind of dubs that Funimation did for sci-fi shows in the mid 2000s that were you know maybe kind of uh, packaged in with the stuff that they really wanted in the licensing contract you know mm -hmm. just it, it kind of fe kind of feels like those shows where an actor would get into the booth, read a page of the script, and they're like, they have to do what to form the robot? <laughs> now, if you're talking about Aquarium, I'll have you know that's Christopher Bevitt's baby we were talking about. <laughs> Actually, that was more of a dig at Darling in the Franks, but I digress. Let's be real, it's easy to take a dig at robot shows. Who are we kidding? True. But yeah, it, um, I really like that the, um, in particular, the script writing feels genuine to the shows that Robbie Hachi is actually legitimately parroting. Which, holy crap, the Pluto episode, but we'll get to that. <laughs> oh my god. All, and it's it's all the way down to like the the kind of corny choir at the start of every episode singing let's all go let's all go to Isakanda like um, let's like, the best part of every episode like the show is just filled with those little touches that they um I'm sorry I'm I'm trying to trying to form words in my head and. But, uh, nice little touches that they, that get sort of peppered in. Like, it's, it's nice. And then, on top of that, this has probably some of my favorite one-liners in this year's crop of, you know, simul-dubbed anime. So, yeah. Great job, guys. Um, Direction is also... Very solid. I would find it hard to believe that this is the first thing that Dallas Reed has taken a main directorial role in. But that's that's speculation, so yeah. Great job all around. Oh, and casting's good. Yes. Um Hardy, why don't you go next? 
Let me just say I love this script so very much. I just it it just clicks with me. I know sometimes I get uppity and and it takes me out of the out of the experience when people throw in a lot of slang or modern modern uh, like um, what have you like terms and whatnot. Here it just feels like it belongs there, and I believe I keep forgetting some of the z- zany one-liners that get peppered in throughout the show, but. Um, but yeah, it's just the script has gets me laughing all the time, and uh, and it's well directed too. Uh, we'll get to the cast members later on, but regarding our main cast, they were not who I expected, and yet I was very pleasantly surprised with their performances that they pulled out. So yeah, uh, considering considering that this is one of Dallas's first directorial roles, um. You would not be able to tell me that this is his first time. This this sounds like a very professional product. And you could definitely tell that uh, this was a Leah Clark script because it was very similar to the um, to Chio School Road and it was uh, which was also my favorite script from last year. So I think everything is well done. Alright. Andrew? Okay, so First things first, this is a funny, funny show. My god, the dialogue, it sounds like, I feel like the show is already like pretty amusing, but the script in English is really selling a lot of the jokes and the delivery, and there's a lot of good dialogue I can pinpoint. Some I will pinpoint for certain, uh character sections, but I'm just going to say one of the moments I think I knew I was in love with the show was the dialogue with the two of them in the robot. <laughs> and just the banter. I know where this is going. Let's see. There's two in particular I want to highlight. Oh, no. Uh, first was... Cover the, cover the ears of your young ones, people. Any idea what we do next, bottom boy? Please don't call me that, Mr. Top Heavy. It was one of my favorite exchanges between uh, Roby and Hachi. But <laughs> the the actual one that killed me is I'm not used to getting so much sass from my ass. And then the robot Iku being like, shut up and grab my rear. And it's like, <laughs> God... Okay, okay, you know what, there's one more I have to mention. They used O-Spaceballs as an expletive in this show. That alone is basically Golden Globe worthy. I mean, it's Spaceballs the Lunchbox. It's Spaceballs the (laughs) Japanese animation. Spaceballs the Breakfast Cereal. Spaceballs the Flamethrower. The kids love it. Where's where's my Spaceballs a rogue visual novel? I'm down for that. So so, so if this movie, so if this if this show was a movie from the seventies, who would Mel Brooks play? Oh, Mel Brooks would hundred and ten percent be young. No, we want Bootsy Collins to be young. <laughs> All right, fine. No, Mel Brooks would just be uh, Iku then. Yeah, it works. Okay, uh, uh. but at, back to the actual like direction of this particular show. Uh... Dallas Reed, 
Not only is he a very talented actor, and not only is he a man of civilized culture and knows that Makoto is best girl from Persona 5, love you Dallas, um, he is also a very strong director, because part of what makes a good comedy works is both the dialogue and the good comedic timing and direction. And this is basically the first time at Funimation seeing Dallas in a solo directorial position, as far as I can tell. And while he did also work on one of the episodes of Suridure, which is also a show that's very pivotal about having good comedic timing and reactions. So it seems, as far as I'm aware right now, Dallas Reed is somebody who is very capable when it comes to good comedic deliveries. And this show has plenty of them. Chris George, of course, was probably assisting as well. Would not surprise me, this is not proven, but would not surprise me if this was recorded in the same studio that recorded uh, Black Clover, is my particular guess, because you kind of have, like, the same similar people in that. It's like, okay, Dallas, you go in, I go out there now, like... But, yeah, it's just very, very, very funny, and I am very... Very impressed with Dallas's work. Chris George helping too, but Dallas's work in regards to Robohachi. This was a lot of fun, and I'm very entertained by this. Keep up the great work. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in agreement. This is a really fun dub. Uh, I think I, I will join in the chorus of saying the script is really good. It's just really sharp and funny. Um, my two favorite bits are probably when um, Yang and his crew uh, arrive on Mars hoping to find uh, Robbie and finding he is not there. And Yang's complaining about how barren Mars is and he's like, there's nothing there! No wait, I'm sorry, there's a tumbleweed. There's a tumbleweed just slowly rolls across the screen. Uh, my other one is, um, now as you may or may not know at home, uh, in American popular culture, Martians are supposed to be little green men. This is not true in Japan. In Japan, they basically look like what the Martians in War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells look like, kind of big heads, tentacles. Uh, so they're arguing about whether or not Martians actually look like that. Uh, that, actually ex that actually explains a lot of, like, going back to Suradure, the first episode of that where they're talking about eating takoyaki balls and looking at the stars thinking they look like little Martians. So that actually explains that a lot more now. Thank you. Yes, that's yes. In in uh, in Japanese popular culture, aliens are usually like octopus-looking people. Okay, that explains that um, a lot. Thank you. If I if I if I just if a bunch of things just now make sense all of a sudden. Ah, uh, kinda, yeah. Yeah. Um. So there are Rami and Hachi are arguing about whether or not they actually look like that, and at one point Iku interrupts and just says, "You're both wrong and ugly," <laughs> <laughs> which is such a such a wonderfully mean-spirited insult. It's just so good. Um. Yeah, this is, this is the the writing on this is just really strong. It feels it's good, but it also feels like natural in a weird way. Like there's a there's a looseness about this that I usually don't associate with a lot of um, dub script writing. Like this this feels very on point. This feels like it could have been a script for like like a, a western show that was where the you know was being written for the animation before it, rather than um, like an adaptation of another one. Like I'm really happy with this. I think the direction is really strong. Um, I think as you mentioned before recording, um, this, this appears to be like Dallas's first lead anime direction. I think we were wondering if maybe he'd, he'd prior gotten some work um, on like visual novels or something, because um, we were saying he's done some uh, stuff on some of uh, Jill Harris's visual novel stuff. Um, but kind of regardless, like this is really good. Like he's he's got the chops. I've been like super happy with this. 
I got about like halfway through the first episode and is like, man, I'm liking this a lot more than I was expecting. This is really good. Can I can I get more, please? What twelve episodes? Yeah, okay, I'll take that. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm really happy with this all around. This is a really well done. The, the script is great. The direction is great. The casting is wonderful. This is just so good. To the point where, like, even though there are more like more prestige good doves coming out right now, like Fruits Basket, I think this might be my personal favorite of the season so far, just because it's so very in tune with like my interests and what I like. It is your it is your brand in a lot of different areas, basically. You don't you don't you don't get you don't get a lot of anime that are about dumb mascots. Which is a thing I like enough that I follow an entire Twitter account that's just about Japanese mascots. <laughs> Justice for Cheetan, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Free Cheetan, like, you know, twenty nineteen. You know, it's like you know, you know, you know. This show also reminds me of what the thing. The thing that comes to mind when I watch this, particularly when they're doing the PR bits, is not another anime. It's Hardy. You're probably familiar with this. It's the Weird Al song, "The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota." Oh yeah! Oh my god! A, a, yeah. A, a a similarly like loving tribute to everything uh like sort of cheap and schlocky about tourism and tourist traps. Like it very much has that thing of like this is stupid, but we also kind of like it on a certain level. And I appreciate that. That's just that's not a tone you find in a lot of media these days, or in general. We spent a lot of money on this mascot. We're gonna use this mascot. <laughs> No, just, just the fact, it's like, what's what's her deal? It's like, oh, they, she came in at half off. <laughs> and it's like, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, no, this is this is a really high-quality dub. I'm very happy with it. Um, and on that note, shall we move on to our first cast section? Yes, yeah, please. Oh, yes. All right, so, uh, so far, as you've been following the show, you know, uh, it is mostly about Robbie and Hachi and Iku running away from Yang on his, and his cronies hopping from one planet to another, on their way to Isakandar, which is not the place from Star Blazers. We promise it's the not the same place. It. We promise. We promise. Actually, you know what? You know what? I haven't been, watch been watching ahead in the show since I've been following the dub. For all I know, it is the same place. We don't <laughs> know yet. I don't even know if they've gotten there. Um, like, I just but, want them to reach Iskandar, and it's just like... The big, it's just the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, basically. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. That'd be great. Just a big tourist <laughs> trap that, like, there's nothing really there. Uh, just play, just places to waste your money and regret. Who at fun, <laughs> Funimation is the closest sounding to Weir Al Yankovic? Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll 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 circle back around to that. Probably sure. never, but anyways, we'll, we'll 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 make this claim and then forget about it later. <laughs> Basically, anyways, dub talk. Um, I thought you were gonna follow it up with something. I also oh. thought you were going to follow it up with something. We know where dub talk. <laughs> I I was gonna do like a, I was gonna do like oh. the trademark ding, but uh, roots. You gotta be careful with that ball, my friend. Anywho, uh, so as they are traveling around the universe, they obviously, they will spend an episode stopped at a place where they will usually get up to hijinks, uh, make a bunch of money that they'll then immediately have to spend on some repair or something, and usually inadvertently solve some horrible PR problem they're having. Uh, Nisarasoth will, will take us to a couple of places, both of which are oddly water-based. Uh, before they go to Isakandar, they have to stop at a, uh, basically like a galactic checkpoint, which has a bunch of hot springs attached to it. And right before that, they were on a water planet. It's populated entirely by mer people. 
Uh, and in both these places, they meet a few people. On Merfolk Land, they meet a a, a nice a nice fish man named uh, Goyo 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 Gyogyo. Uh, who Gyogyo, Thank you. Uh, who is uh, he's working at a restaurant where they serve fish. Yes, they comment on how weird it is that mer people are serving fish. What you gonna do? Don't think about uh, it. Yeah, don't think about it too hard. Um, where he is trying to catch a, a a a famous elusive fish local to the planet, which uh, you know if you get it, you get this enormous bounty. They'll basically leave you set for life. Uh, in addition, we also meet his manager at the restaurant, who I don't think has a name. He's just a manager, uh, but he's very eager to get you to buy his wares and give him a bunch of money. His name, uh, his name, as we put it down here, is Merman Manager. So we'll call him Mermanager. I, God damn it! <laughs> uh, That's a pun so bad you might as well get mermaidered. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some death clock in this music. Throw reference. it back. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think we can use it. Just, just throw that pun back. Yeah. Catch and uh, release. God, you think yeah, that exactly. pun's bad? Wait till you get to our next character. Oh dear. Uh, and on the on the uh, hot spring terminal, uh, they meet a a, a Kappa woman named Kapako, who uh, unfortunately has has had an unfortunate encounter with this underworld boss, who is exposed her to something that leaves her unable to help cope with the world. And unfortunately, Robin Hachi has to meet this boss. And who is he? Why, he's a wombat. <laughs> but not just any wombat. No, no. Specifically, he's the wombat from Cute High Earth Defense Club Love. <laughs> if I read the Wikipedia article correctly, you, he's the wombat that gives those boys their powers. You are correct. And a thing that's probably worth mentioning right now, actually. This is animated by the same studio that does Cute High Earth Defense Club Love and Cute High Earth Defense Club Love Love. Uh, no, only <laughs> only the second season. I think like um, I want to say it was like Dio Media who did the first, but it is the direct. Uh, I think it's the director and a lot of the staff who worked on Cute High Earth Defense Club are doing. Okay, this. okay, so they did the second season. I thought they did both. Okay, but there is now a cinematic universe connecting these two, and that's this fucking pink wombat. Yes. Who, who, as it turns out, uh, he, he the only way he traumatizes people is that he exposes them to so much love that they feel underwhelmed in other aspects of their life. Because once once a pink wombat is showered with love, really, what more is there to it? Once you have been <laughs> loved... Life has peaked. Once you have been I mean, loved so can, hard, can how can you... Chain. Well, yeah, of course. You can buy the Complimentary keychains. Key Complimentary. <laughs> You want to buy the keychain, right? Complimentary. Complimentary keychain. Buy the keychain, buy the toys, buy the stuffed animal, buy the body pillow. Buy the flamethrower. Buy the vibrators on the side. Promise we're not going to tell anybody. Oh my god, like a uh, wombat body pillow. It would just be a pillow. <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, but uh, did we have any predictions for these characters? Not Absolutely for these not. characters because I did. I especially did not expect to run into uh, the wombat from a magical boy show in a sci-fi space comedy. No one expects the wombat. No yeah, one ever expects the wombat. Reasons yeah. mentioned prior. Uh, well, nobody expects case. the Spanish Inquisition either. So mm. no, the Spanish wombat Inquisition. There's a site. Uh, but, uh, in that case, play, let's get on to who's playing these file, fine roles. Uh, Gyo Gyo is being played by Aaron Dismuke, 
uh, who you might know for such roles as Leonardo Watch from Blood Blockade Battlefront, uh, Reinhard von Lohengram in a Legend of the Galactic Heroes difficult German subtitle I'm not going to pronounce, and Pico in Ping Pong. Uh, the manager is played by Brian Massey, who you know for as uh, Dick Gumshoe in Ace Attorney, Lad Russo in Bacchano, and uh, Isami Enomoto in Star Blazers 2199. Mm. Uh, in case you're wondering, yes, if someone has been in Star Blazers, I will make note of that because <laughs> look at what we're watching. Space! Or Legend of the Galactic Heroes for that matter. If space is in the title. Yes. There's a theme tonight. Uh, oh, you bet. Capico uh, is played by Felicia Angel, who you, who you uh, would know as um, Toru Hakakure in My Hero Academia, Makoto Harada in Star Blazers 2199, and Shoutier Bloodfall in, in uh, Overlord and Asaya Quartet, which reminds me, I should watch Overlord if they're naming people Shoutier Bloodfallen. Mm. That's very much an Amon kind of name. Mm. I mean, the, the main character's a skeleton. I'm surprised you're not watching it already. I, I actually didn't know he was a skeleton for a long time. It was just a show everyone talked about I'd never heard of. Mm. Um, and the Wombat is uh, being played by Robert McCollum, who you know for such roles as Shinya Kagami in Psychopaths, uh, Susumu Yamazaki in Star Blazers, and, of course, uh, a role you would obviously associate with a cute and cuddly Wombat, uh, Baki from Grapper Baki Maximum Tournament, the 2001 uh, Baki anime. Mm. Oh, you bet. Uh, but on that note, what do we think of these performances? Um, same order as before? Sure. Yeah. Mm. All right, uh, Ritz. Okay, so these characters really didn't do a whole, whole lot, so I don't have, like, too, too much to say, but um, I, I really like how Aaron Disney basically played Gyo-Gyo as, like, this really plucky and determined guy who figures out, oh, yeah, turns out her... Uh, because the whole thing is, like, the merfolk have been living on the surface for so long that their gills are supposedly too weak to, you know, swim for long periods of time. But he's just like, oh yeah, turns out I just have to train. So, like, I <laughs> I, I really like this. I, I like Plucky Aaron Dismuke. It's, it's a good, it's a good, I, I don't know what the word for this is, it's... It's a good look for his voice. There we go. That's clever. And, um, I, I can't speak any ill of Brian Massey in, like, anything. Does he... In, in a similar manner to, uh, Kokaitis and Overlord, he's just a big cinnamon roll. <laughs> like... Oh, and, like, not to mention Token Rambu, but... Like, he's, he's just the big cinnamon roll here. He's just... He's just warm, cheery, energetic. It, he can convince you to eat his own people. <laughs> <laughs> he could convince you to eat his own people. There we go. Yeah, it, it's it's great. And, um... I don't remember much about, um... Felicia Angel in, um... In the episode she's in. I know she, she sort of played Capico as a bit love struck which you know she did a really good job with it don't don't get me wrong it's just she kind of blended into the background and i mean robert mccollum only gets like one or two lines in the entire episode but it's it's wombat from q high <laughs> earth defense club love so we have to talk about him because oh god i i actually watched both seasons and really enjoyed it and like this 
kind of makes me hope that Funimation can one day, you know, go in and dub that as well. Because that's, like, more people need to watch Cute High Earth Defense Club love. Look, Roots, don't look a gift pony can in the mouth, okay? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I went there. This is technically also produced by Pony Canyon in Japan. Fun fact. But, um... Like, I, I also really like that Robert McCollum just kind of... He kind of did... He kind of did Wombat, like... It, it was... Uh, it's hard to describe. There we go. I really enjoyed it, though. So, good job all around. Uh, Hardy. Yeah, um, I really don't have a whole lot to say about these. I think uh, I agree with Roots in that... I enjoy listening to spunky Aaron Dismuke. Um, he kind of gets his chance to save the day at the end of the episode. Uh, Ryan Massey as the Mer Manager. He's got this sort of funny way about how he talks. He's like, hmm, this is not acceptable. I guess we will have to put you to work. And it, it just got this uh, weird quirk to it that is just very entertaining. Um... Again, as far as Kapako is concerned, she does kind of doesn't really make a whole lot of a impact on the episode, but she's played well. And <laughs> just the sheer surprise of hearing Wombat in general and him and, and the voice of Robert McCollum coming out of this cute little pink fuzzy animal is just <laughs> it was so adorable. He's like, I want to bring you love. I mean, and it's also made kind of funnier by the fact that in the Japanese version, Wombat is, like, played by an old man. Yeah, he's played like a 70-year-old actor. So, <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It, so now it makes you wonder if they got someone age-appropriate instead and got, like, our Bruce Elliott to play Wombat. How would it turn out? Mm. So, but yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was funny, so... I like these casts. That's all I have to say. Excellent. Andrew? Uh, Mermanager is nice and quick. Brian Massey has a very fun, authoritative voice. He sounds like he works in the service industry very well and also is no, no stranger to... Cannibalism? I don't know. Look, we don't. We don't. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole of how mer people and actual fish relate to each other. It's going to be a big headache. that's never going to get resolved. All fish. It's also all... like octopus making takoyaki. It's weird. Okay, those were at least mascots. These are actual like fish people serving well, fish. Well, to be to be fair, I mean, fish in general are cannibalistic. Like yeah, sharks eat other fish. Yeah, f fish in general do eat other fish, oh, so... Remember, remember, kids, all fish are equal, but some are more equal than others. Yeah, and it's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings. Ah. Uh, <laughs> look, look I, I live in a house of pescatarians. Meat and stuff, you treat those animals kindly. Fish, fuck them and eat them. Actually, you know what? Let, let me, let me, okay, okay, actually, actually, let me rephrase, let me rephrase that. Phrasing do not, Anna. do not have intercourse with your fish before you consume it. Well, I mean, there is the character that Brit April plays in the episode. We didn't mention. Okay, look, look, look. 
fuck him and eat him with the hot nurse fish lady has a whole new meaning. And boy, she is very hot. Anyways, uh, just to bring this ship around hard because this is making this is making me look very bad. Um, which to be fair is not hard to do. Okay, uh, so quick tangent before I talk about Gyo-Gyo. When he mentioned that he had a wife, I swear to God, I thought the punchline was going to be that he was is engaged to the hot fish-ish nurse. I swear to God, I yeah. thought that's where they were going with it. But then it's because, like, oh, Robbie dated her for a bit, and then she was some mobster's side girl or something like that. And then it's just like, no, she just conned him out of... She just conned him out of a bunch of fishing equipment, and he just has a very cute little fishy wife, and I'm happy for them. Gil Gil's living that millennial uh, life experience where he's working part-time in the service industry, and he's just trying to get his wife the good present even though he didn't wasn't able to afford the honeymoon. So you know what, Gil Gil? You're living the hard life in whatever year it is for you, but I know that struggle. I wish you the best, friend. And Aaron Dismuke plays him very quirky and fun and cute, and he's a good boy. Uh, Brian Massey, I already touched on, is very fun. Uh, Felicia Angeal is super cute, but also uncanny as female Kappa. There's a lot of Kappa around in this anime season. Have you noticed that? I know, right? I don't know. Um... I'm not going. To, I'm not going to make an anal joke. That seems beneath me. Is it though? You're. you're <laughs> is it? You're you right. Literally just walked into fish. Fuck him and eat him. <sighs> literally just walked into that. Make your joke. All right. You know what? Fair enough. But I will not be the butt of this joke. Ah, oh, goddamn it! Kappa's in butts. Ah. <laughs> The, you know, you know, it's, the, Eng it's, the English language is hard. Dubbing <laughs> is hard, and I applaud them for doing the English language good. Um, Robert McCollum as Wombat is... Love is power! It's so <laughs> sultry and cool, and gosh, don't you just love that little pig fucker? Uh, God, uh, Robert McCollum is delightful as this character who's there for all of two minutes. And I'm glad he is canon with a show like that. Anyways, uh, this is a fun cast, and I, w I enjoyed these characters even though they didn't get too much screen time. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 rare, it's rare we can pick out the sizzle reel, uh, the best of Oh, fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> so readily. <laughs> All right, now that we've had some fun at Andrew's expense. Um, <laughs> it happens more often than you think. This is fair. Um, these, are, these are a nice set of performances. Um, at playing the one-off characters in shows like this that tend to have, like, a small, consistent cast and then a lot of, like, you know, one-off, you know, basically characters will appear in about one episode, maybe two, and are never seen from again is always a... Uh, a little bit of a trick, but I think the um, the acting performances we see here are very nice. I, I agree, like, Aaron's a lot of, um, he's really nice as Gyogo, just, like, good, good, upstanding guy. He wants to do something nice for his wife. He's just very charming and optimistic. Uh, it's a nice it's a nice performance. Um, Brian Massey's really fun as the bird manager, who's just very, like, he, he has, you know, he, ha he has that air of somebody who works in, like, a tourist trap town where, like, you're kind of nice to the customers because they're going to pay you. 
And, you know, as long as they're willing to play a game, you'll be nice and kind of, you know, not push them around too much. But, like, it's clear, like, no, pay me. Give me my money. That's 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 how this works. You fish and eat the ugly fish, and then you pay me. Um, Avli Shanjil is um, also, she's very nice as Kapiko, who, you know, uh, is more probably plot-relevant in a story sense than in terms of, like, showing up. But I did like her performance, and I don't know what I can add to Robert McCollum as the Wombat. Frankly, he, he's amazing just by being there. What a delight. What a what an absolute treat to have in this silly silly space show. Uh, bless bless you bless you silly people. <laughs> uh, but uh, so good performances on around. And on that note, shall we continue on to our next segment, uh, where we will be covering uh, some more one-off characters. Uh, prior prior to going to those places. Uh, our, our, our fair crew had to step, stop at, uh, Mars and Pluto in order to refuel or get repairs or whatever reason they came up with that week. Uh, and on Mars, they discover, uh, the octopus people who are running around there. Except as it turns out, um, Martians don't actually look like octopuses, it's just their spacesuits they were wearing when they made first contact with humans look like this. And they've been perpetuating the fiction for decades, centuries? It's a little unclear when first contact happened, but... So everyone just wears giant mascot suits. And uh, we were introduced to um, Mr. Uh, Taco, Ka Taco Kawana. Kawana? Uh, whatever. Um, him. Uh, who is a uh, mayor? Guy in charge? Mayor. Clear. Mayor president. Mayor of Mars. Mayor of Mars. Um, he's the one in charge who has been helping perpetuate this facade because uh, he, you know, tourism's already kind of down on Mars to begin with. He feels that revealing that they are actually humanoid people will disrupt that even further. Uh, and we also are introduced to his daughter, uh, who, as far as we can tell, doesn't have more of a name other than that, but uh, who is uh, maybe rather, let's not pretend we're octopuses all the time. This is kind of stifling and a little ridiculous. Uh, and then on Pluto... They get to encounter people who are having even worse PR problems, because as we all know, Pluto isn't a planet anymore. It's a dwarf planet, and the Plutonians are not happy. Uh, they presumably have real names, but we only know them as Mr. Pluto and Mr. Denshi, the names of the cut-rate mascot costumes they bought off somebody. <laughs> look, uh, my f look, I know it's always an easy pot shot to talk about a certain show and talk about how my IQ is smart enough to try and understand it, but this is literally the plot of a Rick and Morty episode. The <laughs> it's, it is literally a plot of a Rick and Morty episode of the Plut Plutonians are trying to regain planet status and literally just kidnap Morty's dad because he's like, Pluto's a planet! That's stupid that they changed it. And they're like, you are the smartest person on our planet now. God, you're, you're right. Uh, what weird times we live in. It's good to know that the director of the show had a smart enough IQ to think of it, too. Uh, although, my, my favorite part about these two characters, Mr. Pluto and Miss Denshi, is, is they mentioned they got the Miss Denshi costume at, like, uh, like half off or free when they bought Mr. Pluto. You know what Denshi is? What is Denshi? As far, well, as, far as literally in Japanese, Denshi is meant to refer to, like, a small object with electronic properties, but I'll, I, I think like one of the things I listed is like an ebook. That I think that might be a word for that. So it's like she has nothing to do with Pluto. There's no reason for them to have picked up this mascot character. It's just that it was cheap to do so, and the people in charge of Pluto PR don't make very good choices. 
basically, this entire section is based around, uh, Space Sakura Quest. A little bit? <laughs> A little bit, because it's all, it's all about mascots and old-timey PR companies trying to improve their image in the modern era. I think, I think the difference is I think this is a wee bit more cynical about it than Sakura Quest. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Um, but, uh, gentlemen, did we have any predictions for these characters? No. Nada. Didn't think so. Okay. Uh, in that case, uh, let's get on to who's playing these fine roles. Uh, Toko Kawaina is being played by John Swayze, who you know for such roles as Zoroku from Alice and Zoroku, All for One from My Hero Academia, and Bruno J. Global from the ADV Club, uh, ADV Dub of Macross. Really? Oh, yes. Wow, you're going that far. That's an old cut. Wow. I wanted I wanted space shows, and what's more of a space show than Macross, the show we can never have? Well, never say never. Give it another year or two. <laughs> yeah. Die faster, Harmony Gold. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and uh, Toko Kawaina's daughter is being played by Tina Ballard, who you know from such roles as uh, Rinko Yam Yamato from uh, My Love Story, uh, Itsuki Nanako from Quintessential Quintuplets, and Rei Sanka from Sankarea Undying Love. Uh, Mr. Pluto is being played by Sunny Strait, who you know for uh, as Koro-sensei in Assassination Classroom, uh, Lupin in uh, the Funimation dubs of various Lupin movies and specials, and Analyzer Unit 9 in Star Blazers 2199. And Ms. Denshi is being played by Alexis Tipton, who you know as uh, Yaika in Blood Black A Battlefront, Kaori Tanaka in Shiki, and Honey in Space Dandy. Oh yeah, uh, she is Honey! Honey's the fucking best! Yeah, there, 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 there's, there's, there's enough overlap with the Space Dandy cast that I feel like it was probably done on purpose. Oh, uh, would not surprise me, but there's yeah. some theories about that. Before we go into these, these <laughs> character discussions, I have a genuine question I need to ask. Sure. Is there a call girl prostitution industry on Mars of people exclusively dressed up as, like, octopuses? It appears like it, yeah. How does that work? It just do you really does. Want to do you really want to think about the physics of that, Andrew, or do you want to just accept it and move on? Just think it. Just think it's like the King Crimson. It just works. Rubiko Takahashi. I don't think about it, and neither can you. Like, uh, I, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say, is it like a is it like a built-in fursuit kind of? Or? Andrew. Okay. 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 I, you, you, uh, you, you, finds you a way. You complain about you complain about the hole you're digging for yourself, and yet you continue to dig the hole. <laughs> Look. Put the I'm shovel down. Put I'll the eventually shovel down. find gold, you guys. I swear it. <laughs> you're gonna strike a septic tank. Uh. <laughs> oh. All right. We may continue. Roots, would you like to start us off? Oh god, I hit a subway tunnel! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I guess I'll start with, um, with, with the Mars episode. Uh, I, I like, um, I like John Swayze as Taku Kawaina. He, um, he played it with just the right amount of grease, especially when he's interacting with Hachi. Because he, um, 
he ropes him into, like, PR campaigns, and this was, like, before all the stuff that they accidentally did to fix Mars's reputation when they found out that, you know, the octopus people aren't real. But, um, like, he, he plays, uh, Taku Kawaina like a, um, like a really greasy used car salesman. And mm -hmm. I, like, I really like that. And, um, yeah, I I also like uh, Tia Ballard as his daughter, who's basically kind of tired of it. And find like, finds the suit kind of uncomfortable and doesn't want to do it anymore. And then engineers the way in which, like, everything accidentally happens. That they don't need him anymore. Like, I, I thought they had... The both of them had a really good dynamic. Um, Taku Kawaina with Hachi and his daughter with Robbie, which also that, like, octopus space brothel scene was, like, really hilarious. Just gonna put that out there. And, oh god, Sunny Strait and Alexis Tipton. <laughs> like, I, I love how Sunny's just puts this frantic energy into Mr. Pluto. Like, he is... He is desperate to... to get, uh... Hachi and Robbie on board in order to help out Pluto's reputation. Even though he's just sinking money in giant robot suits. Which, by the way, are absolute crap. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it falls apart against... Like, the even crappier-built Hizu Kuriger, which we'll, we'll get to in a sec. But, um... Yeah, and Alexis Tipton is... She plays it like she's just sort of been roped along for the ride. And it's, like... It's, it's just a bunch of dynamics between one-off characters and the main cast that I'm just kind of bummed. You know, they were probably not gonna get much more of, out of them unless there's, like, the last episode where everybody shows up. So, yeah. Great job all around. Alright, uh, Hardy. Yeah, I really don't have much to say. I just have, uh, because these are pretty one-off characters. Um, I think they all sounded really fun. And, uh, let's see here. Uh, I, I basically just have to, uh, say, agree with Roots. I think they were all really fun and, um, and, uh, leave it at that. That's, yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> Look, the, the, the trouble with one-off characters is that they're one-off characters. Mm. They don't do a lot. Um... Uh, Andrew, uh, I'll start with the Mars people for uh, Mayor Mayor Octopus Man because I cannot pronounce Taco Taco Kawaiina Taco Kawaiina Taco Kawaiina Taco Kawaiina Taco Kawaiina Taco Kawaiina Taco Kawaiina. You get the point. Anyways, Taco Tuesday did a very good job being this very kooky. Uh, but out of touch tourist person where it's like, yes, please tell us more about how great these octopus balls are. And you hear just 
uh, Hachi just giving them fake is, oh wow, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And the really lame, oh, I realized everything, that whole amusement park is like a tea, they're all like tea kettles, cause that's apparently a Japanese thing where there's like octopi in tea kettles. And the only reason I know this is a thing is because I played Splatoon. Cause that's a thing. Uh, Tia Ballard does a good job sounding the cute, but somewhat sexual, um, octopus call? Like, that's his daughter. D does he just have, like, his family just pipping them I, well, out feel, to try and get tourism? Is that- I feel like it's probably supposed to be a little closer to, like, a host club rather than, like, prostitution, per se. I would imagine that's probably more like it, too, but I think they implied that there was, like, a strip club- There was, like, a pole dance or something that they didn't show was happening. Which, now I beg the I question, mean, how do you- I guess that would be more of a burlesque club, I guess? Yeah. Do, like, margin- a little classier. How do you pull to Anson? One of those things. Okay, I am- That's- that's why they don't show it, Andrew, so they don't have to think about Life, it. Life, uh, finds a way. This is a, this is a real sticky situation <laughs> I've got us in. Uh, Tia Ballard, uh, is very cute, but also very sexual in there. And she is also canonically referred to as a snack? Uh, I will read the full line because that's something that Robbie says to her. It's like, you should never cover a sweet, sweet snack like that in a creepy octopus suit. And it's like, oh boy, that's a thing I just heard. This is, this is a magical show. Tia's very cute, but she's fun and she wants to not be so hot. Uh, Alexis and Sunny are a lot more fun as a dynamic uh, father-daughter Eskimo duo. Because they are basically just trying their best at this PR thing. But they are getting ripped the fuck off by actual Yamato copyright OCs. <laughs> Th their names are Kodai and Morisugi. Which are played by Rico and Dawn. We're not getting to them. But they are literally just Yamato. The... Censored spaceships are literally just, it's literally just the Yamato, like, they, they like Yamato in this series a lot. Now, to be fair, there was also the Galaxy Express in there. There was also the Galaxy Express in there, yes. I, it's the same author, author right? Uh, those are both Leiji Matsumoto creations, yes. Excellent, okay. So, but yeah, uh, Sunny is really funny, and Alexis is also very cutesy and fun, and it's very, it was very inter interesting and fun watching these two interact and basically try to work workshop PR with uh, Robbie and Hachi. And that was a very entertaining episode, but god, they were getting ripped off so goddamn hard. Bless them. Look, they paid for those fucking characters' rights. They're going to use them. Character IPs are not cheap, you guys. I don't, I don't understand them, but Sonny and Alexis were a ton of fun, and it was a very entertaining episode with them on Pluto, and they are my favorite Rick and Morty characters. Let's see. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy these performances as well. Uh, John Swayze just fun as sort of this used car salesman who's aware that things are getting dire, but is just gonna power ahead anyways. Um, Tia's a lot of fun as someone who'd just rather not wear a a heavy octopus costume all damn day and live a complete lie that goes across her entire species. 
there's an existential quandary in the Martian's problem that they don't examine. But I like that they don't do that. It's just kind of there for you. Um, they're both a lot of fun, and uh, and Sunny Alexis is just great as these two like just not very good PR tourism people. Like they do not know what they're doing. I feel like part of the joke in this entire series is that everyone's turning to Robbie for advice. When it's pretty obvious that Robbie does not make good life decisions himself. Not at all. But no, but hey, who are you who are you gonna who else are you gonna ask for advice from? The robot? What is he doing? Uh, yeah, these are these are just a, bu a fun bunch of performances. I enjoyed them a lot. I, I am also hoping they will get to come back. I feel I feel like someone someone in this someone one of us I feel like was suggesting that um, maybe towards the end all of uh, Robbie and Hachi's PR ideas will fail horribly and everyone will come to hunting for them for their blood. Basically, Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that if that happens, I'm sure we'll get to see everybody come back. A, a, a true mad, mad, mad world mad cat chase to close the show off. It'll be wonderful. Um, but having said that, uh, let us let us continue on now to our next section, which features the villains of this piece. If you can yes, call them villains at all. Villains. They are foils. They're 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 nominally they're not they're the nominal villains because they're the antagonists of the nominal heroes. Beyond that, who knows? But I mean, they're basically uh, the Team have... Rocket. Team Rocket's a good point of comparison. Team Rocket's yeah. a very good analogy, actually. Uh, but we have we have Yang, who is a mob boss? Question mark on Earth in whatever year this takes place in. Mob uh, is... Yakuza fashion icon. He loans out money for a high interest rate is the important part, and he looks very fashionable doing it. I think I saw that in Vogue last week. Uh, and he is accompanied by his two lackeys, Aloe and Grass, who both wear complimentary... Um, they're kind of these, like, um, semi-two-face outfits where they're, like, one color on each side on the top and then it gets swapped in their pants. It's kind of like bubblegum vomit. <laughs> what? What? The, the color I was looking is that they were very pink and purple, so they look like bubblegum cotton candy... That was puked off the side of a roller coaster. You have a right, very vivid okay. imagination, young man. <laughs> Look, I was I was gonna go for like Prince or something, but okay, sure. <laughs> Am I wrong though? Is the question. I'm not thinking about the color of vomit. Yeah. I mean, just, just answer. Oh, okay, yeah. we'll, we'll just say it, sure. Let Let me quote Marge Simpson and just say. It's right, but you shouldn't say it. <laughs> there we go. You know what? There we go. That's fair. Um, but we have we have our three near a little less do wells. Uh, did we have any predictions? I yes. did. Yes. All right. Uh, Alrighty, why don't you go first? Uh, I don't think I had anyone in in particular for Alo. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll just leave him out. For Gross, I thought that. Uh, Oh, I'm dropping her name. Um, uh, what show? Megas Bride. Megas Bride. Uh, Chise? Oh, um, uh, Danny, Danny Chambers. Danny Chambers, right. Yeah, I think that she could play. She could have played Gross. And yeah. for Yang, I had a couple, and they're both very low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. um, I had Aaron Roberts, and uh -huh. I had J. Michael Tatum. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Makes sense. Uh, Andrew, Roots, did you have predictions? Uh, for myself, I think when Aro... Aro's the guy who's combing his hair all the time, right? Uh, Aro's the tall one. With, yeah, and, and Graz is the short one. Okay, so he's the one who's combing his hair all the time. Uh, I think for Aro, my thought process was... This looks like a character that I could totally see Tyson Reinhardt's comedic voice coming out of this lanky fashion disaster. Uh, Gross was one I actually had two because I looked I looked in comparison, I knew Gross had a female seiyuu in Japanese, but I was not sure if they were going to follow suit in the English dub. So in the in the advent they went with a male actor, I went with uh, Josh Greeley, because this looks like a comedic character that Josh Greeley could totally play anyways. And in regards that they did go for a female Seiyu, female Seiyu, a female a, a woman! In regards <laughs> that they picked a woman to voice the character of Gross, I thought Megan Shipman would be a very fun fit for this particular character. As for Yang... I was actually thinking, you know, it'd be really funny if another uh, sci-fi English dub leading man played Yang in this cast. So I thought, man, what if Chris Wakamp played Yang? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I thought, he, I it's a very eccentric comedic voice, but in Japanese, he's got a very deep voice, like... I believe it's Tomokazu Sugita, so Gintama is playing Yang, and I thought, you know what? Chris Waycamp could probably pull it off, hmm. and it'd be a fun little uh, meta in regards to Yamato. Alright, uh, Roots? I did not make predictions. Oh, right, I'm s you keep mentioning that, and I keep just <laughs> spacing out. Anyways, um, I also, I did have a few predictions. Uh, I thought, uh, I thought, well, for one, I thought it would be Amusing to have Ian Sinclair somewhere in here, because the obvious Space Dandy comparison. But I thought having him as Yang would be too obvious. So I thought he might be a good allo. Uh, for uh, Gross, I thought Terry Doty might be a good fit, since I also thought they might cast a uh, oh, the female voice actor uh, to match with the Japanese. And uh, for Yang, uh, I would like to, I thought maybe Chris Savage would be fun, because I think Chris Savage could be very funny when you cast him in the right roles. And I feel like they don't do that as much anymore, because he's Chris Savage and he has... Manly hero voice. So I thought that would be fun. Uh, but it turns out none of us are right, but almost. Uh, playing Yang, it turns out my, my belief it was too obvious was not shared by the casting director. We do, in fact, have Ian Sinclair as Yang. Uh, as Ello, we have Chris Wakeham. And as Grass, we have Alison Victorin. Uh, Ian Sinclair, you know from playing such characters as Yang Wen Lee in Legend of the Black Big Heroes. Haha. Uh, Brooke in One Piece and Dandy in Spade Stand. Oh god, he is young from Galactic Heroes 2. That's even better! <laughs> <laughs> jokes upon jokes in here. Oh, this is so meta. I love it. Thank you. Uh, Chris Wakecamp, you would know for playing uh, Jean-Robert Lapp in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Shota Aizawa in My Hero Academia, and Kodai in Star Blazers 2199. And Alison Victorin, you know for playing roles like uh, Naru in ba Barakamon, Kuroko Shirai in the A Certain Whatever series. And QT in Space Dandy. Can I make a joke quickly? You're going to anyways, go ahead. I'm going to anyways, you fucking know it. Guys, sometimes in life, you either die dandy 
Or you live long enough to become Dr. Gel. Dang it. <laughs> Andrew, get back in the cage. <laughs> just, just go. Get, just, I apologize for yeah. nothing. I don't understand this joke, but okay. <laughs> you you uh, need to see Space Dandy, that's all I'm gonna tell you. I'll, I'll see Space Dandy when- I'll see Space Dandy the same time I see Hunter Hunter when I have time. Okay. When will that be? An excellent question. Space but, Dandy is nowhere near the commitment that Hunter Hunter is, that's all I'm gonna say. It's a true fact. Um, but, uh, what do we think of these performances? Roots? Uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'm gonna be quick with Olo and Gross. Um, I, I did really like Chris Waycamp, sort of, uh, hard to describe, but, um, like, he, he does the henchman thing really well. Unfortunately, like, he is, of the three, the person I have the least to say, which, you know, probably, probably a good thing, because it basically means just keep doing what you're doing, because you're doing good. But, um, one thing I particularly... Okay, actually, he he is involved with what I'm about to say anyway, so... Um, between Olo and Gross, my favorite scene is, I think... I want to say it's, like, episode four or five? Where it's basically where they first met? Uh, uh yeah. I believe that is episode four, because it's in the middle of the fish one. Okay. Yeah, it's just randomly there in the episode. They just take a break <laughs> yeah. for no reason... But, um, where, where it's basically, um, Olo's walking down the street and Gross is listening to headphones and he's trying to get his attention to, like, improve his life or something like that and he's just ignoring him and, and Olo is just getting angrier and angrier about the situation and I thought that was, like, really great comedic timing. So, I guess, um... Biggest compliment I could give to Chris Waycamp and Nelson Victorin is the comedic timing of their two characters interacting with both themselves and Young is great. Which brings us to Young. And um, one thing you need to note is that this character has two sides to himself. He has the really tough loan shark side to him. And then there's also... I'm trying to find a way to word what I'm about to say again, but, um... He's hot for Robbie. <laughs> yeah, he is... From what I can understand, a parody of a type of mecha villain that has been prevalent throughout the mecha genre, and that's basically, like, the gay-coded antagonist, basically. Where he... He basically, because... I guess, um, Robbie gave him candy when he was first signing his loan, like, Young took it as a sign of affection, and is, it basically seems like it's, there's an ulterior motive to Young chasing Robbie down to the ends of the universe to collect on this loan. I don't think he's looking for money. <laughs> but, um, Ian Sinclair does both the the very tough guy persona he puts on for his lackeys and then also sort of the comedic timing of 
actually kind of pining for this guy. He plays this duality really well, so... Kudos, thumbs up. You guys did good. Yes. Uh, Hardy. Yeah, I, uh, I have to agree with everything Root said once again. Um, confession to make, though, it, mm -hmm. until this episode that we're recording right now, I did not actually know that that was Chris Waycamp as all of Ah, interesting. I, you know, usually I'm able to pick it up his voice really, really well. And I guess, I guess uh, I just, just blew my mind. Blew, blew, pat, what is it? Uh, I can't speak anymore. I can't speak anymore. I guess it just passed my mind. But, uh, but yeah, now that I know that I can hear it. And it sounds good. And Allison has played enough little boy characters to know that she uh, she brings a real life to Gras. And Yang is just Yang is just this. He's a treat. He's an absolute treat. He's just he's supposed to be putting on this really tough mafia so type character and yet he gets flustered by the smallest little things and Ian Sinclair just goes back and forth between that so very well yeah and let me let me ask you this the favorite part y'all's favorite part of this show it's it's gotta be the end credits it's oh. gotta be the end credits <laughs> I mean the show uh, is I great am... don't get me wrong but the end credits are Magic. Oh, they're they're so catchy. Yeah, I, I am I am not someone who usually has strong feelings about um, dubbing uh, songs in anime that are sung by part of the cast. But if they if for the home video release they can record a, a version of the end credits with these three recreating the song, I will be very happy. Uh, so yeah, we good. gotta get we gotta get the funky boogie dubbed. Uh, it's 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 like a funky boogie with like a hint of a love song almost in there too. Yeah, it's it's very disco. That's what it is. Right, and Young gets tired out after like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, these three are really enjoyable. I like it. So, uh, Andrew, uh, I'll start with uh, Alo, and Alo is interesting because. Very much thinking of it as like a Jesse and James is very much like these two, like him and Gra, are very Jesse and James ish. Uh, Alo is the stuck up guy who tries curling his hair all the time. But I have a genuine question: What point in life do you think? Like, here's the thing: I I understand homelessness is an issue and people li like have to sleep in boxes to survive, but. That is not a box you sleep into when you are a person. That is like finding a lost puppy in the rain kind of box. And it's just, you're just passing expecting there's a little kitty or puppy. No, there's just a human male in there. At what point in life do you sink to where you find yourself in the sad rain puppy box? I will tell you what point. I've been watching because I've been coming off of Boongo Stray Dogs recently. This guy looks almost exactly like Francis. At the oh end of, God, you're right! At the end of Bungo Stray Dogs, Francis loses all of his money. That's the <laughs> point where you end up in the sad puppy box. 
<laughs> oh, well played, sir. Yeah. Okay, you lose all of your money in like 20 of your bank accounts, and you just find yourself in the sad puppy box. But lo and behold, he gives him a comb while he's in a sad rain puppy box, and then he becomes a changed man, and then gets a really dumb looking suit, and then tries to pick up a troubled youth listening to the rap music and the the devil worship music so to speak you know all the illicit stuff in your headphones you know the rap and the things probably and he's like turn here turn your life around what turn your life around what turn your <laughs> life what i can't hear you and then he drop kicks him and then they were friends <laughs> ever since but, uh, although, uh, Chris Waycamp, I actually did have trouble trying to figure out that that was Chris Waycamp, too, because it's a very interesting tone of voice. It's basically, actually, you know what, thinking about it, um, is this whole dynamic kind of Yatterman to you guys? I mean, I feel like this show is drawing on a lot of old, uh, dumb, kind of comedic action shows. But yeah, now that you mention it, there is something Yattermanish about yeah. this there's particular, the, there's this the particular set of villains. There's the tall one, the small one, and the extravagant fashion disaster flamboyant one. You're not wrong. Like, I kind of see it now. It seems very Yatterman, but they're a fun combination of characters. Uh, Waycamp is a fun one that I didn't recognize. Allison Victorin is the little chaotic boy who's also a fun character to bounce off and it's just funny hearing QT again and Ian Sinclair is just fucking oh my god some of the things that he says at first he's kind of menacing but then it's just like you are basically just you are just eccentric the, it's just some of the deliveries that he gets to say is like hmm they merge with each other but why <laughs> Just the delivery, but why? And then, like, when they finally get on Mars, there's nothing out here! No, no, I was wrong. Here comes a tumbleweed. And just the dialogue of that fucking kills me. It's just, it's just the way he delivered this. And another favorite of mine, um, I need to find it. When, he's, when he sees uh, Robbie on the TV, he's like, I wonder what bait I'll need to reel you back into my manicured clutches. It's like... <laughs> Like, Ian Sinclair is going very heavy on this, but he is menacing, but also a ton of fun and wacky, and, oh, he is just a, he is a fucking treat, or, as Robbie would call him, a snack. I'm sure Young would be very happy to hear Robbie call him a snack. <laughs> oh, boy, Woody. No, these, these are, these are, I, I am in total agreement, these are some wonderful performances, um, Chris and Allison are just great as these two, these two lackeys. They're they're like little like uh, origin spots, or probably some of the best stuff in that episode. It's just he just keeps yelling at Grass, <laughs> even though Grass is obviously listening to loud music on headphones. I'm I'm wondering if that's like a parody of something I haven't seen. That felt very specific to the point where like I was wondering is like is this a reference to something? And I, I don't think I can spot, but I'm, I'm curious about that now. Um, but it was just, it was really well played. They play off each other very well. They definitely play off Ian very well. And Ian's just a delight. He is, he is the exact level of, like, Camp Ham this character requires. I love, I love all his, like, tough monologuing. I love that he's, 
gets like gets very distraught very easily. I like the part where they're just randomly on a planet where you run everywhere, and he's just having a terrible time of this. Oh, he's just like this is the worst fucking day. Was the worst. Is, is is lackeys are into it? I like that part too. <laughs> like they're fine. It's just him. It's like no. Young, you're not you're not cut out for this planet. Go somewhere else. Look, he worked like an hour to get that makeup on, okay? And that thing's <laughs> probably running harder than he is. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention how long it took to get his hair just right. Mm. That's a true fact. Ah, a lot of aerosol. So much gel. Uh, more like Dr. Gel. Stop that. We're, we're retroactively kicking off the episode. I'm sorry. One too many. There's never enough. Yes. Yeah, Classy Spartan's lines will now be replaced by... Uh, uh, oh, I screwed up the joke. I I, I know what you're... Go Christopher Plummer? Yeah. Okay. I screwed up the joke. <laughs> now, now I'm imagining everything Andrew says and Christopher Plummer is like resident dignified baritone. <laughs> Now fish. <laughs> Fuck them, then eat them. <laughs> oh no. Calm down. Calm down. I'm right. sorry, that was a very awful Christopher Plummer impression, but I had to I had to make the joke. Thank you for trying anyways, friend. It was the right time. So these these were great performances. I love I love these I love these quote-unquote villains. I, I, I'm hoping that the last episode, Yang finally catches up to him, and at that point, Robbie has the money and just gives it to him, and it's like, oh, okay, and they just go, they part their separate ways. Look, at the end of the day, the true reality of it, he doesn't want to be his loan shark, he wants to be a sugar daddy. <laughs> oh. You're not wrong. <sighs> oh, dear. On that note... Let's continue on to the next portion of our episode. Uh, this is this is the Amon portion of the episode where we talk about a thing I love. Robots! Robots! Yay! Robots! I love robots. Uh, and we have two robots in this show. Uh, first up, we have Iku. Uh, he is he is Robbie's robot buddy. Uh, he's shaped like a rabbit. Uh, he hangs around. He actually pilots the ship. He's clearly much smarter than either of our two leads, but he is in no position to do anything by himself, so he's just stuck with them. Much to his clear irritation, which he vocalizes often and loudly. But we also have another robot. We have... He's a Kurig. He's a Kuriger. He's a Kuriger, which is the robot that's formed when the two ships in Robbie's dad's ship combined and form some 70s-ass super robot. <laughs> Who was apparently from a real 70s-ass uh, super robot show in the world of, uh... It is a canon anime in the world of Robbie Hachi. It is some, it is some Mazinger knockoff that someone made real. Uh, for completely unclear reasons. What, what, what would rip-off Mazinger be called? Uh, Tazinger? I mean, I f I'll be honest, I feel like there are probably actual Mazinger ripoffs we could probably point to, but I'm not that knowledgeable about old Super Robot shows to pull one off the top of my head. Oh, if, you God, have rip -off, if you have ripoff Mazinger TV shows you'd like to tell us about, please post in the comments below. <laughs> oh, God, no, I, I can actually think of one. And it's just, the giant robot makes desserts, like traditional Japanese desserts. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I know that one. It's Doamegar. Doamegar, um... Oh, what was the letter? I think it was like Y. 
Uh, hold on a second. Like it just makes desserts. Go Omega D, I believe. Oh, D, okay. Why have you not shared this information with me before? I thought you knew. I don't know shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like people get really hungry and they turn into giant monsters, and this guy has a robot that makes like traditional Japanese desserts and just hands it to him in, in like the dramatic. The, you know the. You this sounds the like sword. an action. This sounds like an actual Japanese commercial that somebody made a TV show. Like the time the Geico Caveman's got a TV show. I mean, it's like well, five it, minutes short, but you know. Now, now, now I need to know what I should start pestering Discotech to bring over. Oh, I, I think Funimation has it actually. It. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, it's out on oh. DVD. Oh shit! Okay. Guess what Amon's buying? <laughs> <laughs> um. But, uh, so I'm, I imagine we probably didn't have predictions for the transforming robot. Do we have any predictions for Iku? I did. I had predictions for Iku, yes. Alright, uh, uh, Hardy, you go first. I went very, I went very simple and easy going straight off of Yamato, so I gave him Sunny Straits voice. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Uh, uh, Andrew, what did you have? I'm not particularly sure why I gave this particular person the voice of Iku, but I thought, you know what? I think... Damon Mills could be a very funny little sassy robot mascot boy. I figured, why the hell not? Let's try Damon Mills as Iku. Alright, and uh, I didn't have a prediction for Iku. I, I wrecked my brain, I just couldn't settle on anything I was happy with before I started watching the show. Uh, but, uh, we, are, we are all incorrect. In fact, uh, Iku is played by Anthony Bowling. Uh, who you would know for such roles as Shiro Ayashi in Devil is a Part-Timer, uh, Subaru Ichinose in Space Battleship Tiramisu, and as we just learned this weekend, he's going to play Sakamoto the Cat in Funimation's Dub of Nichijou. I'm so fucking excited, <laughs> you guys! Isn't it great? Dude! What world we live in! I know, right? Oh, but, and, uh, the, uh, he's a Kuriger. Uh, which is the best robot because it plays its own theme song when it transforms, uh, is played by Chris Guerrero, who you would know for such roles as being the narrator in Double Decker, uh, who in the movie Hells, insert who's on first joke here, and uh, as Eisen Olgown in Overlord of the Sakai Quartet, the big skeleton Hardy was talking about earlier. Eins Algon. I gave it my best shot. <laughs> to be fair, no, that show. is a very... Odd spelling of Einzalgon. That is true. Um, you tried. Um, yeah. Next time. Next time I'll actually have seen Overlord and I know how to pronounce it. E for effort. Uh, <laughs> 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 you already. I appreciate that. Uh, what, did, what did we think of these two robotic, uh, robotic people? Uh, Ritz, if you start us off. Sure. Um... Honestly, I don't really have much to say about Chris Guerrero, because basically, the robot yells, it roars, that's about it. That's something Chris Guerrero does very well. But, um, Anthony Bowling as... Oh god. In order to make this comparison, I have to, um... I have to mention a little bit of trivia here. So, mm -hmm. um... Originally, when George Lucas was um was getting star wars into production oh boy mm -hmm. he had a like anthony daniels was always supposed to be in the c3po suit like right 
he was he was a contortionist and act it and like performer, so he could get into the suit and do what needed to be done with three PM. Mm-hmm. But he was not always intended to be the voice. Uh, George Lucas originally had like a very greasy car salesman kind of voice in mind, and he was going to give it to, um, I believe, Mel Blanc, of all people. Oh. And when um, when Mel Blanc went in to record Star Wars, he listened to um, Anthony Daniels basically pantomiming a performance. He's just like, why not just use this guy? Apparently, this came out of Anthony Daniels' um, autobiography, so you know, take take with a slight <laughs> grain of salt. But you know, in any case, like I feel like one of the inspirations for uh, for Iku was sort of that that kind of greasy, fast talking kind of personality, and like Anthony Daniels does a really great job with it. Or, uh, Anthony, Anthony Bowling. D- An- okay, hold on. <laughs> and Anthony Bowling does a really great job with it. Here, here I am talking about Star Wars. But, um, the road to Star Wars is always a messy one. He also gets, like, the best one-liners in the entire show. Like, he is... He is a quit machine, if not just the pilot of the, of the ship. It, his his dialogue comes mile a minute. You you can never see what he's about to say coming, and you're just on the floor laughing as soon as he's done. Sometimes he doesn't even get to finish, and you're just kind of chuckling at it. But um, it, his his performance is just a treat here, and I I it's probably one of my favorites of the show just because he is so sarcastic and mean spirited and oh so good. God, where was I going with the Anthony Daniels? Oh. Where were you going with this? <laughs> it's fun trivia, guys. There we go. <laughs> I, I, I thought I th- thought you were going that he kind of sounded like what you would have imagined Anthony Daniels as C-3PO would sound like. Or okay, yeah, no, you block. know what? There we go. That's probably where I was going with that. That makes sense. But, yeah, like... You know, now that I think about it, like... Mel Blanc as C-3PO is a very apt comparison because Iku feels like a Looney Tunes character. Like, in terms of his his personality and how he works off of Robbie and Hachi. Like, he he feels the most cartoony of the of the trio. So, yeah. There we go. I, I segued it in. There we go. Yeah. You did it. But, yeah. Real... Really great job. I I wish I had more to say about Chris Guerrero, but you know it, it's like one of those Mike McFarland as Ava Unit One kind of things. It's just he's there. He does what he does really well. It's just not something I'm very good at comparing. Okay, excellent. Uh, Hardy. Yes. Uh, same here with he's a Kuriger. You can't really say much because he has it. Does he doesn't really say much. Um, it is a thing that exists. Uh, as far as Anthony Bowling is Iku, I just adore how he just has no time for their crap. Like, 
his his tolerance for bullcrap is just at an all time low. He just wants off this ship, basically, and there's no way he he, he basically is like Scar and that he's surrounded by idiots. <laughs> but yeah, he's just he's obviously probably the smartest person in the entire show and never gets the respect he deserves and you could definitely tell that Anthony gives him that sort of level of frustration and just god, I'm so done with this crap. And it was really fun to uh to listen to the one-liners and quips and and salty comebacks that he come, that he brings out. Best one being, you know, that's robophobic. Okay, I don't know if, like, Leah or Dallas had played Danganronpa V3 or not, but that line comes up a lot in that game, and I was wondering if they knew that playing it or not. Well, 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 Dallas has been playing through the first Danganronpa game on his Let's Play channel. It's very possible he's played the third one already. I don't know if he has, but I would be excited to hear if he is, because V3 is... F okay, look, all the Danganronpas are wild, but V3 is somehow the most wild. That's all I'll say. But yeah, anyways, I just I really enjoyed this performance. I thought it was hilarious, and he's doing a good job. Excellent. Uh, Andrew... Uh, I'll make it quick with, uh, okay, how do you say it? He, he's a... He's a Kuriger. Thank you, Hardy. Uh, he's a Kuriger. Uh, Chris Guerrero, as he's a Kuriger, is very cool and metal and stuff. I almost was thinking maybe he's gonna sing the theme song, but as of the simuldub, he has not sung his own theme song yet, so that makes me a little sad. But he's very, he's very cool, awesome, robot-y boy, and he's very badass but whenever he's on screen he's fun and doing something very stupid with his bottom bitch and top heavy master hold for applause hold for applause <laughs> crickets 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 yeah. and technically uh, he's the one who catches the fish he is the That's one true. who catches the fish he cries the fish out <laughs> Literally, there's tears <laughs> streaming down his face. Also, literally, motherfuckers just like, hey, this thing can survive space. It can survive the ocean, <laughs> right? Look, I don't know who told you Robbie knew anything. Look. But they were lying to you. This is a man who has been in debt at least five different times to at least 12 different women. I can believe that he would think, oh, this can survive space. It can survive water, too. He seems like it's, that level of intelligence, which it's, is... It's it's like that time someone threw a chicken on stage in an Alice Cooper concert. <laughs> Alice Cooper, he's from Detroit. It's a chicken. It's a bird. It has wings. If I throw it over the audience, it'll fly, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? See, now I want to know why somebody brought a chicken into an Alice Cooper concert. It was the late 60s. It was a weird time. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough, fair enough. And I'll say this. While Ro Robbie is anything but bright, Iku is 120% done with his shit. How did he get a robot that hates him so fucking much? I, I can only assume he inherited it from his dad. I can't imagine Iku is following him around willingly. 
you know what? That would make sense. Also worth noting, Robbie is a rich boy who kind of left home because he's like, eh, fuck rich people. But, yeah. Iku is just... Anthony's sardonic tone of voice is just so sarcastic and just like, oh, God, I don't want to be here right now. My feet hurt. Everything sucks. My partners are horny and dumb and crazy. I want to go home and go watch Spaceballs. And, and some of my favorite Iku lines of dialogue involve the following. Dude, your breath reeks like booze and stuff. Gross. <laughs> uh, another favorite of mine is, I heard that too much joy gives you gas. Which, I, God, I don't, just the delivery of that was fucking gold. But my actual favorite thing he says is, early on in the series, episode one, you're a smart guy until a woman shows up and then you turn into an arrogant douchebag beefcake with no beef. Which, God, that is probably one of the most fire burns I've ever heard. S fucking hell, Iku is a savage little robot bastard. And he's adorable, too. Like, all the fucking quirky faces he makes. Anthony is delightful as this quirky robot boy. And it is just a ton of fun listening to him just spew this shit out of his mouth. He is a delight, and he is a great little, uh... You know, going back to the whole Team Rocket comparison, he is the Meowth to their Jesse James. Wait, is this show about one Team Rocket chasing another Team Rocket because the first one owes the money? Sure, I mean, we'll let's put... Let's, it's <laughs> basically a battle of the rockets. Ugh... I mean, this is uh, in space. They are flying oh ships, but you yeah, can call it rocket it, it's battle. It's like, okay, bear with me here. Like, uh, Robbie Hachi and um, and Iku are Jesse James Meow, and the bad guys are Butch and Cassidy, who are slightly more competent than Jesse and James, but they are still idiots. You know what? That sounds <laughs> that sounds on point. I like this. Uh, uh, Andrew, did you have anything else? Uh, no, that's basically it. Uh, right. I already forgot the name of the... He Hizu Karinger? Yes. Hizu Karinger. Uh, Guerrero's fun, and Anthony Bowling is a deli delight, delicious little robo-bastard. Cool. Um... I, I, I agree, these are both great performances. Um, Chris makes good, excellent super robot noises. This is what this is one of these roles where I sometimes forget that like when they have like like non-talking animals and robots and stuff, they do have to dub those over for the dub, and I almost never end up thinking about it. It's just like, oh yeah, it's a robot. It makes it makes robot noises. I'm sure they brought a robot in to record these robot noises. Um, he's, he's very good at that. You joke, uh, but they did do that for Dragon Ball Super. They just brought an actual robot in to voice Vegeta. Okay, they did actually... you know. Okay, they did actually bring in a robot. They used, like, a they a software program to do Vegeta's like voice. Microsoft Sam or something? Something like that, yeah. Alright. Um, but Chris is good. He makes good super robot noises. I enjoy him a lot. And Anthony is hilarious. 
He is by he is as I already said he's clearly the smartest person in this entire show, and he is surrounded by just the dumbest people, the dumbest. And he whatever patience he had dealing with like Robbie clearly burned out long long ago, and the fact that Hachi's uh, like new to him is not making him any more tolerable. Uh, but he is just, he is just so funny. He has so such good lines, and he delivers them so well. He's just the perfect right combination of like. Angry, but also completely aware of the fact that he can't do anything about his annoying lot life, so he just has to deal with it until he. I don't know. I don't know what happens. Who knows? Maybe Robbie will bite it. He can take the ship and fly off somewhere else. Uh, but until then, he is he is great here. Uh, he is so much fun, and I'm so happy uh, he is playing this role. Uh, but now, shall we go to our final two cast members of the night? Oh yes, boy, oh, yeah. let's go. Oh yeah. Let's go oh, to our leading idiots. Oh, you bet. We we have our two leads, Robbie and Hachi. Uh, Robbie is a girl crazy ne'er do well who is incapable of staying out of debt and constantly trying to use get rich quick steams that always backfire. And uh, Hachi is a dude who was initially hired to go steal his money. No, sorry, he was bored. And then Robbie, who randomly ran in ran in one day and said, like, hey, you should go, you should go do go outside your comfort zone, do things that are dangerous. And then the so next decides, day he tried to rob him. Yeah, so, so he so he decided to become an enforcer for a mob boss. Whose first target happened to be Robbie. How about that? But now they're on vacation. Going to Isakandar. Because why not? And everything is so exciting. Oh, you bet. And 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 he, I, he knows it's exciting because Yelp told him. <laughs> he he loves he loves that Yelp. Oh God, he is a hardcore Yelpist. Oh, he, there, there's a there's a bit in the Netflix show Masters of None where uh, Aziz Ansari's character makes a point of like he cannot choose where to go to eat without scrutinizing like every few food review site on the planet. Serious question. That what, is Hachi. God, that's so fucking accurate. But serious question. What would a somebody who frequents Yelp be called? A Yelper? A Yelpist? I Yelper don't know. Yelper seems about right. Yelper, Yelper sounds funnier. Yelp, Yelpery? If they were a dog, would they be Old Yelper? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that's a groaner, but that's good. Ooh. No, uh. Uh, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll make the five star reviews. Look, look, what do you think about it? Uh, Hachi very much is just a brand new like puppy golden retriever that is so excited about the world and just wants to pee on everything. I mean, eat everything. So on that note, <laughs> did we have any predictions for these two characters? I did. Uh, uh, shoot then. Um, well, I went with... See, Robbie's voice in the Japanese is so distinct. It, there really isn't any other actor who sounds like him. Mm -hmm. And usually when we hear this kind of acting, we have our safe choice, and which is Ian Sinclair. Because mm -hmm. he's played... he's played, I think he's played this off this actor before. And so he was my safe choice. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to go completely safe. And so mm -hmm. I kind of went, I gave it a few options, actually. I had Alejandro Saab, 
and I actually went completely in the opposite direction and got Marcus uh, Marcus Dimmick. Mm. Yeah. And for Hachi, I also had my save choice, which was Micah Solisad. But then I also set aside Damon Mills and another actor who I didn't, if I can recall correctly. Um, I think it was, I think I said Kyle Ignacy. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Andrew, did you have predictions? I had one prediction for each of these characters because I looked at them and what they acted like and sounded like in the Japanese. And I had one very specific voice for the both of them. Mm-hmm. For uh, starting with Hachi, I looked at him and the way his character acted, and I thought Justin Briner would be a very good fit for this particular character in terms of his personality and in terms of his appearance. I thought Justin Briner would have been, would have been a very good fit. As for Robbie, I thought he seemed a little bit older, or acted and seemed a little bit of an older person, so I thought somebody who maybe sounded a bit older and maybe a little bit more of a veteran actor. And I thought to myself, I look at him and I just think, man, this seems like something Eric Vale would do. So I went Eric Vale and Justin Briner. And as soon as I made those predictions, I realized this accidentally became Deku and Shigaraki's excellent space adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, it's it's a hands-off experience because when hands are on deck, things get messy. Uh, oh dear. Cage. <laughs> thank Happy you, up, thank you. What what tapioca? I meant because literally one destroys his hand and the other destroys people with his hands. There is nothing sexual about that until you make it that. You made it that! <laughs> Based on everything else you said in the past hour and a half! Jared, when have I ever made something sexual in my life? How dare you! Fish, fuck him and eat him! You know what? I... Does that mean you're a scaly, Andrew? Oh, fuck! <laughs> Uh, did Megan put you up to that one? Yep. God damn it. Uh. God fucking damn it. Is everyone okay? Yes, Abad, Give me did a minute. You... Okay. Uh, you, take, you take your time, Roots. Um, yes, I did, I did have some predictions. I, uh, for, for Hachi... I thought uh, Alejandro Saab would be a lot of funnier. I thought he he uh, fit the right range. I feel like this is a character type he can play very well. I thought he'd be a good choice. And I was having some trouble with Robbie because I also thought he he sounded very he sounded very distinctive. He was not a character who like someone immediately popped in my head for. Um, but I'm doing some thinking. I thought Rico Fajardo might be funnier. Ooh, he seemed like a good character for him to try out. Mm. Uh, but we are all wrong. Uh, for Hachi, we, in fact, have Stephen Fu, uh, who you might know for such characters as Lao in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, uh, Ruka Goji, Gojo in Nanbaka, and Yasuo Nambu in Star Blazers 2199. And for Robbie, we, in fact, have 
Chris George, uh, who we know for such roles as Hugo and Jormungand, uh, Maybach Wilhelm in Space Battleship Tiramisu, and uh, he is Popuko in uh, the second half of the 10th episode of Pop Team Epic, which I mentioned because as far as the dub goes, that might be my favorite episode of Pop Team Epic, so he's all, good on him. He's also the episode narrator for A Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Di Noia Tessa. And oh, he, that's right. And he's the reason why I know how to pronounce Di Noia Tessa, and none of you other <laughs> filthy plebeians can. Hey, 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 no. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not that I can, it's that I... I know not, how to pronounce Dinoya Tesa. It's not that I don't, it's that I'm tired and I don't want to. <laughs> it's not that I don't know, it's that I don't want to. <laughs> uh, but, um, gentlemen, what do we think of these two performances? Well, I, um, I get the feeling I know why they're always broke. <laughs> Because they're always spending Welcome. money on that stupid bitch juice. <laughs> oh! Like, they just get it by the drum. And I like that both, um... Both Chris and Steven get that out of their out of these two characters. Like, they play off of each other so well, too. Like, it... It almost feels like they record their lines in the same room, even though I know that they don't, because Funimation doesn't have a facility that would let them. But they they just have such good chemistry, and I I honestly can't think of another time where they've actually worked together on this kind of capacity on a show. And it's like this this chemistry is palpable they they just blow one liner after one liner after one liner against each other like hachi is incredibly book smart but street dumb robbie's just dumb <laughs> he's not a smart man like as we said before he he falls for get rich quick schemes so quickly and Sometimes I actually succeed, but in doing so, he accrues so much debt that the money that he makes off of the scheme, he has to pay back to, to people, and it's just... Uh, like, the two of them are so funny together. And they play off of the, you know, the, the one-time characters so well. Like, it, it, this is just... For a principal cast in a show where it's it's largely, I don't want to say anthology, but it's uh, what 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 episodic. It's episodic, yeah. Where a small group of characters meet a wider cast that doesn't stick around, like that is very important, and I think the two of them do a really great job anchoring the secondary cast as well as it as well as they do. So, great job, you guys. Thumbs up. I just have to ask, are Robbie and Hatchie more of a Laurel and Hardy or a Harry and Lloyd type of duo? Ooh. Or even a Harold and Kumar in some certain ways. I would say Laurel and Hardy, because they, they feel more like an old school slapstick duo. Yeah, they, they, de they, definitely, they definitely have... 
Yeah, they're a little closer to that because they have a little. They have some ambition in life. Mm -hmm. They are trying to accomplish things, um, but they're also a little dumber than Laurel Hardy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Robbie and Hachi go to White Castle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, pretty much. I mean, you're not wrong. I would watch these fucks try to go to a White Castle, and it would. These are 100% dudes oh who get god. too high and try and go to White Castle. Oh my god, watch what? Iskandar just be a White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I want this now! <laughs> and then they get there, and they have but to yeah. work there because they've accrued so much debt. Look, I, look, <laughs> look, Iku's probably carrying, who are we kidding? <laughs> but yeah, no, I really like these two, um... Especially Robbie, because I did not know Chris George was capable of doing this sort of performance. This is so different than most of what he's ever done, because he he usually plays these large, um, stoic, uh, manly type uh, uh, figures, and here we get to hear him as this sort of uh, uppity, not so exactly street smart, but just... Uh, Dude bro type, and it's really, really fun to listen to. And I've, honestly, Chris George's Robbie is easily one of my favorite performances in any dub of this year so far. And the way he plays off of Stephen Fu's Hachi, who's just so excited about everything. He's like, oh, I got arrested. How exciting. Oh, I hate to work at a fish restaurant. How exciting. Like, every... Like, he's a Pollyanna-type character who always looks at the positive uh, of every situation that they're put in. And hearing him and someone who's polar opposite, like Robbie, work off together is just such a treat. And so, yeah, this... Stephen Fu is really good. Chris George is really, really good. And I just... I really love this pair a whole lot. Uh, Andrew? Okay, so if I had to describe uh, the character of Hachi first and foremost is that I realized what he is is not... He is not a dog chasing after cars, even though that's very applicable. It's... Have you ever seen the epic cat song... It's no. it goes as the following. Since I have the have the lyrics right here. Holy shit! It's another fucking day. It's the best day ever again. Cause I'm a stupid fucking cat and I don't know shit and I don't know what it is to be sad. <laughs> I think I'll run around for no good reason and act like there's stuff I gotta do. I have no idea how much the world sucks. Cause I have no reference level. Holy hell, that guy's bringing me food! This food sucks, but I don't even know it! And now I'm shitting in a box because I don't give a fuck! And Holy the guy throws it out for me! Basically, there's more to that song, but it's basically... I just think of this character right now... Holy Christ, that... it's a piece of paper! Yes! You do know the song I'm talking about! You do know the one I'm talking about! I've no... known that song for ten years, Andrew. I have no idea how pointless I am, and I don't even know I'm gonna die. Now I get to fucking bed, cause I gotta get some fucking rest, cause it's the best day ever tomorrow. <laughs> and that's, that's, oh. that's what I see about 
that's what I say about Hachi in particular now that he's on this adventure that is no longer has rails anymore. It's just like, yo, we're gonna get mugged. We're gonna die. Holy shit, there's hot octopus ladies. Holy shit, I just burnt my tongue. Oh my god, I have indigestion. Okay, you know what it is? He would go to Mexico and drink the tap and have diarrhea for an hour and a half and be like, this is the fucking best. <laughs> That's who Hachi is. Also, is he like secretly rich or something because he tries paying for that thing and he's like, ah, oh, let's work it off. I think that's what they're implying. Okay, I should probably actually talk about the performance here. Steven F <laughs> I, I just- oh, you, you, mean the, you mean the thing we do on this podcast? <laughs> yes, we do tend to do that. I just- I just thought about that he- Hachi as a character reminds me of that song and I just had to sing it. You mean our jobs? Yes, yes, our jobs. Thank you for reminding me how our to do germs. my- Thank you for reminding me how to do my gerb. Yeah. Anyways- Andrew took my gerbs! Okay, now back to doing my job. Stephen Foo's a very interesting voice because I've heard him in a couple of things, but I don't think I've quite gotten accustomed to his particular tone of voice. It's a very high-pitched, sort of soft-spoken. Like, it sounds kind of cool and suave, but he can definitely hit some of those really high registers. But he's also really funny, and when he's bouncing off of Chris George's much more, like, low-tone sarcastic, and he's much more higher-pitched, energetic, and cheerful, wow! This is awesome! Uh, it's just great. And he's also just got some really great lines. I also love the fake monotone thing he's doing when he's advertising for planet mars and it's just like oh my god this planet's so cold hey robbie look at my teeth <laughs> just starts clacking his fucking teeth i'm like that's what he reminds me of is that he is basically somebody who's lived like a successful life but he likes his life being fucking crazy so as soon as it's like yo we're stranded this is awesome that's what hachi is and and Steven plays him with this such whimsy and charm that he's just so much fun to see with Robbie, who is just a dude who has just been beaten down by life. And he is just, he is just, oh god, he gets to say some of the funniest things in the fucking world. He also, like, is really stupid and will get, he's in debt because he's horny and stupid. Also, some of my favorite some of my favorite quips from Chris George as Robbie. My life's like this moody bipolar roller coaster of misfortunes. Uh, there's also this really great, like, don't bait me with that hipster emo. I'm nobody important crap. And then he's like, if I was another one, if I was a snooty prudy and always stuck on the beat and narrow. Da da da. Uh, oh, space balls. Who turns down fruit stacks? So, oh wait, no, what is my actual favorite thing he said? Oh, I remember my favorite thing he said. So you're saying there's some serious weebs out there and this robot was created by the fan of that anime. Cool, what's it doing on my spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we got like, oh, so weebs made this ship is a thing that happened. It just... <laughs> Chris George has just this great, like, gruffness to his voice that he's just so done with it, and he is so fucking funny. Him and Steven are just a delightful, cha chaotic, comedic duo, and it's great. And I gotta say, hats off to you, Chris George, for making anime Shaggy relatable and fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you're right. 
My mentions were ruined for like two days because I was tagged in a post that was pointing out that he looked like Shaggy. I mean, he does have that vibe of like surfer bro who doesn't actually know how to surf. Like Zoinks, Hachi! We gotta go get to Isakandar! We gotta get those Scooby Stacks and pick up some babes! Like Zoinks, Scoop, we're off to space! <laughs> 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 Let's go get some good food! Oh, what if we rot? Oh, uh, we, we rot chaos and misfortune. But anyways, uh, Stephen Fu and Chris George are fantastic, and I enjoyed the both of them. Excellent. Um, I also, these are these are just some wonderful performances. Um, one thing I do like about this is that I feel like um, Stephen Fu and Chris George, um, not that I've seen everything they've been in, but I feel like they're actors who generally don't play the lead of the stuff they're in. And it's nice seeing them here both because... Uh, you know, it's, it's always nice when the actors you like get uh, more leading roles and stuff. But also just because these two are just so funny throughout. Stephen Fu is just perfect. He is just the right level of, like, kind of, you know, just naive excitement. Uh, I, lo I love how pointless excited he is about everything. I love the little rant he gives when Robbie calls him out on a... Is it Robbie Iku calls him out of, like, you're the person who always goes on Yelp for everything, but you never leave any reviews. <laughs> And he goes on his little rant about, like, how many meals are left in his life. I have 67,000 meals! I want to, all of the things in my mouth to not be garbage. It's just, it's, is it his, like, his perfectly moisturized lips or something? Yes, he does say, he like, says the phrase perfectly moisturized lips. It's just, it's just, he's so, he's so good at this character who could probably kill you if he wanted to, but is way more interested in going to all the hot spots and eating at the nice restaurants. He is—he's—he's a—he is a very particular type of space millennial, and I appreciate how well Steven has captured that. It is very—it's very well done. And Chris George is Robbie. Knowing what Chris George is looking like, this is not a—this is not a sound I would ever expect to come out of that person. This is this is he's so he's so good and he sounds so distinct and if not unique at least like unique for what I usually expect out of him and he is also just he's so he's so perfect as this like guy who's in theory kind of a chill lax dude but not really at all because he's kind of his own worst enemy and incapable of making any good decisions and. He just, he sells that so well, and he, all of his line deliveries are so good. Just like, you know, the one about the weaves, or the one about, you know, the whole conversation is just like, it's a robot, it can survive in space, it can survive underwater. Duh. Yeah, obviously his bottom boy comments. <laughs> I think, I think that was the point where I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna keep watching this. This is, this is too silly. I can't not watch it. I'm engrossed now. Uh, pretty much. It's just like, this is ridiculous. You had my curiosity, now you have my attention. A little bit. Well, actually, I think that moment was when the robot started playing it out. It's okay, song. <laughs> Fair enough. That was, that, was the, that was the moment for me, but the conversation afterwards certainly helped. Um, yeah, they're just, they're both just really funny and good at these characters, and they feel perfectly cast. Uh, they feel like so, they are so on point in every scene. I love them. It is so great. Like this, this feels like 
like I feel like I've seen some really good comedy films in the last few years, but I feel like this one is just it just clawed its way to the top with almost no effort. It's really impressive, and I think Chris and George are a big reason for that. I feel like if these if these roles have been not as well cast, I think that would have affected the show a lot, but they feel perfect. And I, I can I can think of literally no one else who I'd want playing these characters other than them. Mm. Uh, but on that note, uh, we'd like to move on to our final thoughts. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, who goes first? Roots, yes. So it's kind of interesting how these Dub Talk Impressions episodes end up. Like, every once in a while, I'll just... I'll just have somebody come up to me and like, hey, do you want to be a fourth guy in this episode? Because I need a fourth guy. And I'm like, sure, I'll be the fourth guy. And then the show I watch for the episode ends up being one of my favorites of the season that I probably wouldn't have gotten to until much later had I not been on the episode. This happened with Hina Matsuri last year. And it happened again this year with uh, Robohachi. Or Robo... Hachi. I think it's technically. I think it's supposed to be. I think it is Robbie Hachi, but I pronounce it Roby Hachi just because I associate with robots. And God, fucking, uh, God, Hinamatsuri was so fucking good, guys. But like, the comedic timing is so perfect, and it turns around and it lampshades and lampoons and parodies like a bunch of classic sci-fi anime that I just really on their own merits of love and just the the show takes a lot of care in how it treats how it treats the stuff it parodies because it it, like it's it's like it's not just on the surface stuff it's 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 even even with the dub you know you have characters who were like the leads in space battleship yamato playing parodies of them of the characters they played here as like PR people and it's like it's it's just so good and I I am honestly legitimately surprised that this is Dallas Reed's first directorial like full-on anime directing gig because this is it it feels really nice and clean and professional so Obviously, I I say, oh, I would recommend this to blah 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 or, you know, something else. But, you know, I would just flat out, hey, check out the first three episodes. Even if you're not really into sci-fi, this is probably gonna make you laugh really hard. And I would definitely recommend the dub over the sub for this, just mm. because the quips and one-liners just keep coming and they feel like they belong in the show and that's like if you're if you're gonna throw jokes left and right that is the important part so Mm -hmm. this gets a definite recommendation for me this may even later on take some dubbies but we'll have to see what the summer and fall let's put it like this you never know how the year turns out there's always some surprises in store but this is Probably, I would definitely say of the five episodes we have as of the time of recording, uh, this is probably my favorite spring cycle though. Okay. Uh, Hardy? Yeah. Um, I have a confession to make. 
-hmm. The past few seasons, the Dub Talk crew has asked what shows I would want to be interested in doing an episode on. And for the past few seasons, I just... It's been slim pickings for me. I, they're just shows that that I just don't know... That I'm just not really interested in. Um, but I knew from the first episode of this one, I said, look, I want to be on this one. It was that good. Uh, and the dub just turned out so great. The show is hilarious. The one-liners are fun. The characters are fun. If only the animation was better. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's... It's not good. It doesn't look... It doesn't look terrible, but it's... It's Space Dandy on a shoestring and lint budget, basically. <laughs> Though I will say, to be fair, the giant robot stuff I think was meant to be kind of janky CG for the sake of being janky CG to make fun of other mecha shows that have janky CG. Look, this is a show that... It's a comedy that can kind of get away with being janky looking. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the humor is what saves it, for sure. Yeah. That is my only thing. That's the only thing I dislike about this show is that the animation is rather subpar. And if you think about it, if Pony Canyon was still around, or Pony Canyon USA was still around, not only would this not get a dub, they'd want to charge like $10 an episode for this. Oof. Yeah. yeah. So right. thank God for the changing tides in the, uh, mm -hmm. the market, for sure, because this is... No, oh, sorry, were you... Yeah. On the on the plus side, there's no CGI bears, so I mean, <laughs> not yet at least. Uh, not yet, anyways. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. That's to you. I love that ugly CGI animal. It is great. <laughs> but yeah, Here no. The odds. um, Lou Ferrigno Hercules scene with the bear, where he throws Shh. it into space and it becomes a constellation. Oh God, you're doing golden. <sighs> oh, you're talking golden Kamoy. Took me a second. I was like, oh God. <laughs> But yeah, no, other than the animation, I think this show is great, and uh, I definitely recommend watching it. I think it's sort of a sleeper hit. More people should give it a shot. And uh, if you can look past the subpar animation, you'll get a real gem right here. Okay, so, uh, credit where it's due. Like, this is a very goofy show, and if you're watching this expecting a lot of serious stuff, this is like, it's a lot of parody stuff to retro sci-fi mecha space opera comedy stuff so if you if you know your references you'll get a kick out of certain things but even if you don't know a lot of those you'll just get a kick out of the goofy comedies and fun character dynamics but what really sells this for me is the adaptation the char the line deliveries as well as the english adaptative lines of the show are amazing and i know some of these things would not be the way they are in the japanese and i am infinitely much more entertained in the english version of this than i was in the first two episodes of the japanese broadcast uh dallas i am very excited to see what future directorial adaptations you will get to work on in the future because this is a very promising one to really springboard off of and leah clark holy shit this was a riot i'm almost curious to check out Sp base battleship tiramisu since i imagine i'll get a lot of similar stuff in that too 
This is a delightful cast and crew. I'm not going to say it's like my favorite of the season since it's not specifically my kind of brand, but I was very entertained by the show and this was a good time all around. You might also want to check out uh, Chio School Road. It's got a lot of the same. I really should check out Chio School Road. I saw the first two episodes and like it. I just haven't gotten around to it. I should do that. Yeah, it's got a lot of that signature Leah Clark uh, writing to it. Hmm, excellent. So I, 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 have a, I have a similar story to Roots here, which is that there was a show this season that basically from the minute it was announced, I was looking forward to it. I was hoping it would get a dub. And I could host that episode. But as of today, May 26, there is no Demon Slayer dub, and I cannot host that episode. Uh, someday, my friend. May I know. Maybe sooner but, than later. You never know. But I did want to host something, and this was suggested to me. And this was a show that I had seen before, and I thought, all right, this looks like something I might would I might enjoy. And then I actually watched it, and it was like, oh my god, this is so me. It hurts. It's like eight weird niche things I love all mashed together for no apparent reason. And I don't know why they decided to make this, but I'm so happy. And the dub on this is so good on top of that. It is so funny and sharp and well cast and well directed. Uh, this is, like I said, this might be like of the current season, this might be my personal favorite dub, even, even in the face of stuff like, you know, Fruits Basket, which are clearly like much more like ambitious, high-minded shows but which do not appeal to my own weird I, weird things that I love, like mascots and awful tourist traps that no one actually wants to go to. Um, yeah, like, th this is so great. I, I am now looking forward to Dallas getting to direct more things because he is clearly very good at this, and I'm, I'm so hyped to see what he does in the future. Um, yeah, this is, this is great, and I'm so happy it's here. Hopefully they'll visit a planet of skeletons next. <laughs> and just, just and or and or Black Panther shooting lasers from their eyes. It just it just it just turns into the side of a van from the seventies. <laughs> Molly Hatchet van. Oh God! <laughs> they 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 just visit a, they visit a planet of Frank Rosetta paintings. <laughs> it's just Robbie. What's this? Uh, Iku. Where are we now? It's like I don't know. It's just full of like overly buff people who are kind of naked and fighting each other with axes. Yeah. Even the horses are buff. This is weird. <laughs> it's like heavy. It's like heavy metal in real life. Oh god. <laughs> oh. Um. But uh, if you would like to watch the dub for Ravi Hachi, uh, you can currently see it on uh, Funimation.com. Uh, I believe um, you will need a uh, what do you call it? A membership to watch. I think the first episode might be up for free, but beyond that, yeah, you'll need to be a member. Uh, you can sign up for a uh, free 14-day trial to check it out, but do note you will need to put in your credit card information and you will get charged at the end of those 14 days if you don't cancel. So, uh, you know, if you don't want to, if you know, if you have enough subscription services and you don't want to add that on, keep that in mind. But you might go on there and realize how wonderful it is to be a Funimation member and keep doing yeah. it, which is also yeah. good. Over 9,000 um, episodes, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. So, so much anime. Just the head spinning amount. Um... And if you would like to follow us, uh, you can follow, find us, uh, obviously we're here on YouTube where you're probably watching us. Uh, please like and subscribe and do all that nonsense. Uh, and you can also follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitch at uh, dubtalkpodcast. Uh, dubtalkpod? Dubtalkpodcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, gentlemen, why don't you uh, do your spiel? Where can we find all of you? 
Alright, um, you can find me on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice, mainly retweet cute animal pics, talk general fandom stuff. It's a good time, you should come check me out. I also, um, I also have some solo stuff that I'm kind of scripting out right now, and I, I kind of want to have something available in September, we'll see. Probably gonna end up leading into, like, October, but I, I want to actually get a lot of use out of the video editing software I got on the Humble Bundle last year, so, yeah. Hopefully, I will be doing some vlog projects here coming up, so, yeah. Uh, as for me, I you can find me on Twitter, at Spaceman Hardy. I do a lot of... Uh, art retweets, specifically Final Fantasy and uh, stuff like that. Um, I'm also a moderator over at Funimation's forums and on their Discord, so feel free to come visit me over there and uh, we can hang out. Hi, my name is Andrew, aka Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at Mangaman9000. I'm a community manager slash moderator for the Funimation forums and Discord. I'm also another podcaster for Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA alongside fellow Dub Talk Podcast cohort Jet. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at AmanDuelUS. Duel has two U's in it. Where I talk about music and movies and comic books and will occasionally read something I saw. I, uh, I work at a comic book store, so sometimes I'll give a short review of something I happened to read there that day. Uh, I read a weird, fucked up uh, thriller manga today. It was nice for certain values of nice. What was it? Uh, uh, Sweet Sugar Life? It got like an anime. Oh, Happy boy. Sugar Life! There we go. Oh, yeah, boy. That was the interesting one. <laughs> oh, you bet. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, but, uh, as, as people who've listened to the podcast know, when I'm, I'm on an episode, I like to give a dusty old song. Woo! Dusty song! Which I'm going to. Woo! I'm giving one to you today. Uh, so I wanted to say to myself, alright, so it's in space. So we want something spacey. And, oh, look at this ending theme. It's all, it's all this, like, night dancey, disco-y thing. What's something that I can find that's a little dancey and a little funky, but also a little spacey? Oh. I know where this is going! Now, let me just, let me preface this by saying that when I brought up Bootsy Collins earlier, that wasn't an accident. Oh. If you want something that's a little funky and a little spacey, might I recommend to you Mothership Connection parentheses Star Child by Parliament. <sighs> the oh. best, the best song to party on on the Mothership. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you get, if you, I would highly recommend the album it is from Mothership Connection as well. It is a wonderful introduction to the weird and wild world of uh, the whole P-Funk universe and everything George Clinton has done. So uh, do that, enjoy it, groove, expand your mind, and your ass will follow. It's Th great. Thank you very much. Uh, so I think that about wraps it up. Any final thoughts? Um, Let's all go to Isakanda. Let's all go to Isakanda. Let's all go to Isakanda. Oh God, we're sorry about your ears. I should actually I should note my favorite part of every episode is definitely that stupid jingle. It makes me so happy every time I hear it. All right. Well. Otaku on, on my friends, and let's all go to Isakanda! <laughs> Good night, nerds. <laughs> oh, God, dude. <laughs>